0: I'm not taking any questions.
1: Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit.
0: You're listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. Appreciate you guys clicking and subscribing to the Cappy Presents podcast. I'm your host, Cappy Richards. Sorry for the delay in new episodes. Like The last month has been insane with travel. I'm not making an excuse. I'm going to tell you why there's been... I don't know, a delay of like two or three weeks, maybe a month even from like March to April uh, for a solid like a six weeks. I traveled for most of those, oh man, like 45, 50 days. Um, And I'll give you a quick recap as unintentionally annoying as possible of what I've been up to. Did some March Madness stuff with J.P. Aaron Sebia, Jeff Carter, Ryan Getzlaff, and most of the LA Kings uh, during its opening weekend. I was in Los Angeles and Tampa, and one night in LA, uh, we watched Gonzaga lose to Wichita State, and uh, probably 20 members of the team were there at this sports bar, the Shore Club, or something like that. It was pretty legit. Also working on a campaign with Kit Kat with Amir Johnson, P.K. Subban, and the aforementioned J.P. Aaron Sebia. There was a quick stop in Edmonton for another project, then off to Chicago to interview Andrew Wiggins, who is a Canadian high school basketball player, currently ranked number one, the number one recruit in the nation uh, by ESPN, the Associated Press. He won the Gatorade Player of the Year. Um, I interviewed him at the McDonald's All-American game. Then there was a trip back to Los Angeles to meet Harrison Ford for the Jackie Robinson biopic, 42, at a movie junket. I had to sit down with ASAP Rocky while he was in town here in Toronto for a concert that he shared the stage with uh, Rihanna. Then a quick trip uh, to New York to interview Carmelo Anthony. I went to Miami to interview Mark Wahlberg and The Rock for the Pain and Gain movie. And I had a chat with George St. Pierre for his new book, The Way of the Fight. That's been the last like four to six weeks. So again, my apologies for the delay. I've been meaning to get back into the studio to record some conversations. And finally... I return today, my very special guest will give you some of the backstory of uh, my career and his career. Uh, For those who've only discovered me via this podcast, we're going to shine some light on the bizarre, on a bizarre career and uh, landing at TSN and some other places. My guest joins me in the studio right now. If it's going to be an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. It was the turn of the century when as a a part-time actor, a part-time script writer, and a part-time man on the street, my life changed when a young student from the University of Western Ontario walked into the SCORE television network. His brain was filled with the most creative ideas in television. The first of many was cabbie-on-the-street hockey. When a young Dave Crix, a.k.a. my man D, said to me, I have some ideas for you. That was in February of 2002 when he said that line to me. And for the better part of the decade, he's been my main collaborator and producer.
1: And the Michael Jordan to my Scotty Pippen.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Dave Crix, my man D.
1: How are you? Good, good. It sounds so amazing like that. (laughs) Started from the bottom, now we're here. (laughs) That's right. Hey, so uh, what movie did you see tonight? uh beyond the pines with uh bradley cooper how was it and uh ryan gosling it was actually amazing i loved it oh really best movie i've seen this year
0: wow okay and then who that's uh who directed that one
1: it's It's the same guy that did blue valentine
0: oh okay i don't i don't remember that dude's name i should i should probably look it up but i'm Uh, you'd like it
1: a lot of symbolism
0: Oh, okay, so I gotta. Okay, so you gotta go in with like uh, looking at two different. So there's the narrative, but then you gotta look at you know what these these things mean. What do these scenes and these yeah,
1: images mean? It's a it's a generational movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does that mean? It means like um, the way I saw, I'm still because I just got out of the movie. I got the text from Cab come on down let's talk, just so people understand. And you know, so I'm watching this movie and I, and I just got out, so I'm still trying to like wrap it around my head and try to figure out, but. What what I think it means is, it's a story about fathers and sons, uh, through generations.
0: Ah, oh, okay.
1: And and different upbringings, but really it's a father and son generation theme.
0: Okay. Alright, that's cool. Yeah, I think yeah. I
1: would dig that. And watch out Ebert. Oh no, <laughs> because he's passed away, so he doesn't have to watch out anymore.
0: That's true. Uh, on on Twitter it's at my Instagram, it's at my on Vine. Is it the same?
1: At my man DK. At my
0: man DK. All one word M Y M A N D K.
1: You wanna hear a crazy story about that actually? Please. I went to bed on Friday night. Yeah. With four hundred and one Instagram followers. Okay. I woke up on Saturday morning. With uh, 20k, what? Yeah, it's crazy, and it makes no sense. So the only thing I can figure out that, that... what? So wait, your Instagram numbers went up by uh, seventeen thousand by... people, here or there.
0: That's unbelievable. Not seventeen thousand. You said you had four hundred followers, and now it's at 20... oh sorry, you know it, 19, uh, I was thousand... saying
1: seventeen thousand more than my um my Twitter followers.
0: Oh okay so yep. you have 3000 Twitter followers and now you have 20000 Instagram followers which has
1: also gone up steadily since my my Instagram has gone up so What I, photo is it what photo do you have so on there the though? only thing i can think of is that somebody really famous must have shouted me out and because you know 20000 people added me i can't go back far enough to find out who it was Oh on the but does it say oh it does say who's fo-
0: who's following you right Wow, that's that's insane. That's a huge, that's a massive so number. If I like someone, someone really, really famous, has to... really,
1: really famous must stuff. There's no other explanation for it. I went from four hundred and fifty to twenty k. <laughs> that's amazing. I went from so three thousand what... uh, Twitter followers. I'm almost at nine thousand now. So what? What image do you think it was? Like, is there an image that has like several thousand likes? No. No, th- that's the thing. I'm like, I've got a lot of, you know, my Instagram, a lot of stupid pictures on there, like um, my staff, I put them in like Street Fighter uh, poses, poses and stuff yeah. like that. Um, a lot of uh stuff we do at work, a Stanley Cup uh, ring. There's one of us with GSP here. Um, but my, you know, I I take pictures of my vinyl records a lot. Um, but but nothing. With like 2,000 likes or something. So maybe it's just an anomaly or a mistake. No, nah,
0: that's, that's somebody like co-signing you or saying, oh, this picture's funnier, or this picture's cool, or whatever they whatever. But someone with a lot of social influence.
1: 100%. So thanks, Kim Kardashian or the <laughs> Jenners. I appreciate it.
0: So, okay. So for the people who don't know, I'm, uh, I'm here in studio with uh, Dave Cricks, who's my producer. What, what, is, your, what is your job at TSN? Like, how would you describe it to people who don't really know what a producer?
1: is? Yeah, uh, it's it's a babysitter for yourself and Michael Landsberg.
0: <laughs> wait, I produce
1: wait. off the record, uh, so Daily Show that's on um, TSN, which is a kind of a talk show format, uh, debate, and we have guests like Gary Payton and Mitch Williams, and we have local reporters, and we talk.
0: Yeah, but you have like big guests. You, those we are do. those are like
1: your normal, like your your weekly guys. We do. We we have some big guests. Yeah. Uh, we we tried to get as big guests as we can, as we can get. We a lot of hip hop stars recently, which fits very well with Michael. So we've had uh, <laughs> for
0: those for those who don't know, Michael Landsberg is like a middle aged. Um, he's like he's like a like a like a high school teacher. It's like it's like your friend's dad. Like a very nice man, but like hip hop, it, it's not really his generation's no, no. music.
1: he's more like from the from, you know, Huey Lewis in the news. He'd be in the news. <laughs> I was going to say the Beach Boys,
0: but Beach Boys might be too old for, for uh, Michael Landsberg. It's a little bit too old. He's is, like, Mike, he, is middle age, is that like, what is middle? Is that too, I don't want to insult him. Is that like, is middle age what? Is like your mid 40s or are you 50? Is middle age 50? 50,
1: I'd just say 50. If we're all going to plan to live to 100. We all want to, I guess, maybe live to 100. I don't know if I do, but middle would be 50.
0: Okay, so yeah, well, he's around. I don't know if he's quite 50 yet, but he's around that, right? He's around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you babysit, uh, myself and Michael Landsberg, but you also, what, the, there are other things that you actually do. Like you, you do more often than babysit us. Well, actually, I don't know. Cause I, am a lot to friggin' uh, deal with.
1: Yeah, we, we come up with ideas for shows and we try to put on the best television that we would watch and hopefully other people like it. So producing is, is such a subjective term. It's organizing, creating, um, putting things together.
0: So, um okay so one of the things that you do uh for our stuff on uh cabbie presents is you you like organize shoots but then like you have you have to get we have to get time with these athletes so um this year at the beginning of the year we aired an interview with mike tyson and we were at mike tyson's house how did you set that up
1: Mike Tyson is a really interesting one because I think in the terms of cabbie presents or, or cabbie on the street or all the different cabbie. I think there's like five cabbies. <laughs> yeah. He is at the top. Like he's one of those kind of huge legends that we have been lucky enough to talk to and um, realized recently that we could actually get in touch with him through one of my chase producers, Aaron Bronstetter, who is probably I used to think I was good at a chase producer, but this guy is a different level. He loves chase produce <laughs> he, and he gets a lot of enjoyment out of making connections with stars so we're always dropping names and, and, and people that are in the news and whatever and he somehow touched base with Mike Tyson's wife her name is Kiki
0: yes a very nice lady
1: and uh, he arranged for us to go down there and talk to him about a, um, a phone message thing these all these these guys are involved in different things Mike Tyson at that time was doing phone messages for people right so he said we can come to his house in Las Vegas, and talked to him about phone messages.
0: It was called, uh, I think it was called Star Greets. I'm not sure if he's still doing it, but when we went there last year, it was, uh, it was. I, I mentioned Stargreets Greets, and it's in, it's in the the, the piece. Um, but that was that was the thing. And like the reason it took so long for us to to air it is because we wanted. I mean, I spoke. To, if you're gonna talk to Mike Tyson, you're gonna talk about the friggin' Tigers. And the movie The Hangover, which was a big part of his resurgence, his second career as this lovable guy. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel's been awesome in in uh, using Mike in various ske- ske- sketches. and um, So we had to get clearance of that. And I had to get clearance for the music for the song Paris, which Mike Tyson is, which Jay-Z says his name along with Michael Jackson's and Michael Jordan's.
1: And that costs money. That yeah, And our out. budget was uh, over... Capacity and I don't right. know what I'm saying. overdraft. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, at
0: the yeah. bank, <laughs> yeah, we're definitely in the red for a while, and getting in trouble every single week. Like you guys, you guys got to be more responsible. Like, no, I know we're we're working on it, but yeah, we got um, so we got in trouble. So, so I'm in studio with uh, Dave Cricks my uh, longtime producer and collaborator. Okay, let's. So, I wanted to start with Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson one of the biggest interviews that we've ever done, and like that's, and we we've done this uh, here at TSN, um, but that's not where we started. Uh, and, and I don't want to go like all the way back to, I'm sure that'll come up in conversation, but there are a couple of like moments where things started to change for us. And I want to start with the NBA jam. No, what was it called? NBA jam. What was it called? Three on three, the NBA three on three. Oh yeah. So, hoop
1: it up three no, on hoop, three. Hoop, hoop it yeah. ups.
0: Okay. So that's where, that's like the first time that we traveled on a consistent basis. So for people in the U S hoop it up is this like three on three street ball tournament, which takes place in Canada in like six or eight cities and in 05 we started to travel uh at the score and we were covering these tournaments we're just finding yeah. random people playing basketball and making stories out
1: and of I think it goes back even further than that because I th- I remember that w- there was a time when we only taped in Toronto right and and it's not that I don't love Toronto we are de- we definitely represent and love Toronto but we did every street in Toronto we did Queen Street, Danforth, <laughs> Richmond Street, King Street, lots of times. Yes. So every landmark in Toronto, including the CN Tower, which security guards kicked us out at one time. Right. We did over and over again. So we we realized at a certain point, we need to travel. So we drove somewhere a couple times. We and, drove to
0: Boston We drove to Mo- Boston and Montreal, Montreal yeah. you
1: know, and we didn't have much of a budget at the score. So we needed someone who would send us to places. Right. And uh, along comes the NBA, and they say, "Well, we'll send you to different places in Canada for this hoop it up three on three tournament."
0: Now, I don't know if this, I don't know if all these years are going to blend for you because we, we did we did three consecutive years: we we're 2005, 2006, 2007, and all these all these uh, cities. So it was uh, it was Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Toronto, and was there Halifax? Why were we in Halifax at one time? No, were but we... we went
1: to Windsor. No, London. London. Yeah.
0: But um why were we in Halifax at one time? Do we just go to cover that game? We did we did We did the hockey game? The hockey game.
1: And we did Saint FX. No, we did it was a St. Mary's football game. St. Mary's football game, yeah. And See one more uh, reminiscing here of what's going to happen is we're going to flip back and forth and times and shoots and different dates like quantum leap. We're just because there's so much recollection.
0: Okay, so do you remember Okay, so uh Oh five. I'm not sure if you're gonna remember, but okay. So there was like, we're was, was, we
1: done with the Mike Tyson story, by the way. We're gonna come back to that.
0: We could come back to it.
1: Okay, we, good. Cuz it's a good story.
0: Okay, we can yeah. come back to it. Oh yeah, because then, yes, you know we, uh,
1: yeah. You gotta write that down. and Remember it.
0: Yeah, because if I don't, then I'm gonna forget.
1: Um, it's good. It's kind of a teaser. So later in this <laughs>
0: podcast. So we're we're traveling around. Okay, and so we went to uh, Calgary. Was the first stop. Yeah. and we we ran we went to visit Mastermind.
1: Right, went and to visit and, Mastermind. That's the first thing we did. Got off the plane, had lunch with Mastermind.
0: Yeah, and we went to an Earls, and that was the first time we saw Earls. We didn't know what Earls Mastermind, was. Mastermind,
1: legendary, uh, mixtape hip hop producer.
0: Yeah, he was a DJ that had like owned Toronto, and uh, for like. I, the better part of a decade. I remember driving to Toronto in high school to buy Mastermind's mixtapes, and every month he had a mixtape with a different color cover. It was purple, it was light blue, it was orange, it was yellow. He started doing the hip hop tapes once a month, and then he did the R&B tapes. And his blends were so amazing. Like Mastermind was the baddest DJ.
1: And now he's a DJ at that time in Calgary, so. where well, he was
0: uh, not. A, well, he was like a a, a radio on, DJ, radio, yeah. radio personality. Yeah, radio personality. So we go to Calgary and we meet uh, Mastermind, and 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 then he tells us about a car show.
1: He's like, you guys should go to this car show, which was at the Oval, because we didn't know what we were gonna do. We knew we were gonna do the basketball, but since we're traveling, we have to tape a lot of segments, get the most of the bang for our buck.
0: That's right. So we go, we did the the basketball thing, which is nothing really. I can really remember from. I think it rained. We went to the car show, and that's where we met, uh, Bo, Bo Yakimishin, and Nick. I can't remember his name, but we. So we did this bit at this car show. We meet these two guys. Who we'll refer to later? Uh, no, it was on that same trip that we went out with them because it was my birthday. No, that was in Edmonton. Sorry, Calgary. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm all over the place. Uh, and then uh, we um, uh, then we did a we did a bit with uh, Darnell Kennedy, who at the time was a quarterback for the Calgary Stampeders. Great, great guy, and he joined us for as we were walking on 17th Ave at Melrose, interviewing random, mostly girls, but people on the street. And uh and I was wearing this awful shirt. I remember this floor it was terrible. Like it and I don't want to get into much of the tangent about my awful choice in wardrobe. Yeah, but shout but out to
1: Darnell because this is the first time an athlete actually went out of their way to do something with us. Yeah. That wasn't, you know, at their team practice or anything. The guy joined us on the street, he maybe he was a backup quarterback <laughs> for the Calvary St. Peters. He may not have been the backup, but he might have been the third string guy. But he was awesome.
0: He was awesome. Um so okay, so I'm trying to remember uh, there was. Do you remember the lady in Vancouver that offered to cook me food?
1: Oh yeah, big ladies at these hoop it up tournaments seem to like cabbie a lot. This like, one was particularly big.
0: Yeah, that was that's my wheelhouse. Like women who have my body type. So there, there oh, was. She was
1: way bigger than you. Well,
0: dude. I don't know. She was. She was. So she like. See, her kid was playing in the in the tournament. <laughs> she offered to cook us like go over her house and her she would cook us a meal. And I was like and i and I tried to be nice about it. she was, was like, aggressive, yeah that was um that was uh, fun so the, so we then we go to Edmonton, right, and uh, I don't even know how I got George Leoq's number. Do you remember
1: no no, see, these are the things I, I don't remember. I don't even know if you, you had his number, or like, but we, we, or you I, know, Kwame may have given it to you.
0: Oh, right, it was Kwame, yes. Another
1: DJ, radio personality in Edmonton.
0: Who was from Toronto, but moved to Edmonton. Mastermind also from Toronto, and moved to Calgary. So we hooked up with George LaRock, and we and we didn't know any better, but we did like a tour of West Edmonton Mall. And we didn't is,
1: call the mall ahead of time and say we're gonna come bring a camera into the mall.
0: We just showed up. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, like renegades, and so we're doing this uh tour of the mall and we're playing road hockey in there. He's teaching me how to fight, teach me how to skate. We try on some clothes at like the country country store, which he took a a beating from his teammates once that segment aired. But George LaRock, for people who don't know, was like one of the toughest enforcers, maybe the toughest enforcer ever in the history of hockey. This dude was a tank and he like and he was a southpaw, so there it was rare if ever that he lost a fight i I don't know i've never s I've never seen it, but anyway, he's a big dude, and he took some ribbing from his teammates because we dressed him up in like the silliest titus titus like like this was before skinny jeans, and his jeans were really, really skinny, and he had a cowboy hat and a and an ugly t shirt it was great
1: he read us children's books in the in the bookstore
0: right, right it was um.
1: You guys went into a photo booth and took <laughs> pictures together,
0: <laughs> dude. And we were even on. Like we did. We took
1: rode the rides.
0: Yeah. At the uh, you did uh, that
1: hammer thing with him. Yeah, and I got smashed. The, the the strength hammer. Yeah. And he just destroyed it. I got smashed. So they're they're like so on
0: this tour. So okay, now let's go to okay let's go to the next year because I think we meet Peter Gurgis the next year. We're we're out there with Joey Graham, in Vancouver, and so here's so we're walking says so Dave. Uh, myself
1: and the reason where there were Joey Graham just because these these NBA tournaments is three-on-threes associated themselves with the Raptor so they would bring a Raptor to every um, event
0: right so we were so we went to uh, uh, and one day we're just walking around so it's Joey Graham his brother Brian you and I and I don't even know if our camera guy was with us but so we're walking down Granville Street and um, this dude is just on the street and he's like hey we're Where are you guys headed? And we're like, I don't know. We're just going to try to find some place. And he's like, Come in, come inside for a drink. So we go into this place called Santa Fe, and this was one of the moments that changed our life. Changed, changed my life for sure. We go into Santa Fe, and it's like this oasis of women. It's a, it's a restaurant lounge and. I had never really been to Vancouver before. I guess we went the year before. Oh, there was that story with the Seven Eleven. You gave me twenty bucks.
1: we gonna. Yeah, I was wondering if you're gonna bring that up. I don't I know for, what the, it's like your podcast. How much you do you you know? How much can I, yeah. that
0: kind of stuff give we... me? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pause Peter Gurgis. So the quick
1: story about <laughs> quantum we, leap. This yeah, is we keep going back and forth between years and stories. Same location, Vancouver, two a.m. Or we start? Do we have to start earlier when we did the shoot? in Stanley Park and we met the girl on her date on a date so and the little girl <laughs> so they so yeah <laughs> met a girl on a date
0: then we go out and then we just r- run into this girl later out at the
1: well she was in the segment
0: yeah what the place i think it's called the caprice now i can't remember what it was called back then but we see her and she's with a friend and everybody's having a good time and and fast forward to it's like <laughs> I I don't know if I can tell this part. Anyway, DK comes through with a great assist. I have no money and I was like, "Hey man, can I borrow 20 bucks? I need to go to the 7-Eleven to buy some gum." And uh so he's like, "Yeah, man." So, gives me 20 bucks. I I go say hello to this fr- new friend and then uh I'm then it's like 28 days later when I leave. It's like those streets are white hot and there's nobody in the streets,
1: and it's... Is this the night that you called, and I was just so drunk, and the phone rings. I think it, it might have even been my hotel phone. Yeah, and I call like, yeah. Can you know, can you pick me up? And we were staying in Kakliklam, which is, like, 45 minutes outside of Vancouver. My cab... First of all, I don't know how to get there. There's no <laughs> GPS in our car. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just had so many rum and Cokes. Right. I,
0: I can't do it. And, uh, we... Yeah, so... I'm desperate because I have no money. I had, like, maybe $12. bucks. i am like, I can't take a taxi back to
1: Coquitlam
0: because it's 45 minutes away. And so I'm like, DK, can you come get me? And you're like, cab, if I got into a car, I would die. I'm like, oh, all right. So I'm—but uh, then you're like, just take a cab to the hotel, and I'll pay for it when you get there. I wake this guy up at, like, you know, 6, 11 a.m., and he comes out, pays for the cab, and then we— Pass out, but thank you for that assist. Yeah, one I of thought about that one. One of many assists. So Vancouver, the next year, we're at Santa Fe. We go upstairs and this they had so Peter's place had these, like beds, and you know people, and then they brought food to these beds, and they were just filled with women. Like what is this friggin' place? It yeah,
1: was, just a, it didn't make sense. It wasn't real, and that's when we realized that Peter Gurgis was different from all other. Beds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are a few. We're going to talk about a few life changers uh, in this uh, podcast. I'm in studio with Dave Cricks, my producer. There's Peter Gurgis. We've got to talk about uh, Doug Donald, who introduced us to Dave Wilder. Um, and we've got to talk about how Kevin Weeks introduced us to Jared Stoll. Yeah. Um, those, are, those are three big ones. Um, that time in... Uh, I don't even know where to go next because I'm thinking of Halifax where there's a hill at St. Mary's, which is a university in Halifax where when touchdowns are scored, uh, people slide down this hill. It's awesome, we did it, and I remember crushing you. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't break your ribs, because I like rolled on top of you, yeah. and I'm a solid 140 pounds, yeah, I, heavier than you are. I'm two people heavier than you
1: are. I do remember being like uh, in like real pain right when you rolled over me and then getting to the bottom of the hill and then looking at all my limbs just to make sure I wasn't Kevin Waird. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they were all on me still. So, so it was good. We walked it off, you know.
0: And then the, on that same trip, we we met Sidney Crosby's ex girlfriend. Oh yeah, which was weird because, I, I, we didn't know Sidney Crosby, and then like anybody could say they're Sidney Crosby's ex girlfriend or girlfriend. Right, but you
1: also we also met first of many strange superfans, a guy who wouldn't leave you alone that night, and my whole job was to run interference yeah set picks in front of them
0: and I, that's one of many assists so i'm so I'm talking to this girl and we're dancing and tr- trying to have a conversation and this dude just wanted to talk about I don't know what but like was spitting hot breath onto my neck in my face and that's like the worst like when 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 you're when people are out and Everybody's generally friendly, but then you have those guys who are a little overzealous but they don't
1: realize that they're spitting on you. Cabby, Cabby, I love the Darnell Kennedy segment. Yeah. <laughs> the Darnell Kennedy segment was amazing. I, I'm not sure if anybody else. Yeah, it wasn't that, that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was that one. Yeah. Back to Edmonton. Bo, yeah, commission.
0: Right. Okay, so let's go there. So the first time and I guess we can go on this thread, the first time we covered the Stanley Cup finals. So for for like at the score, you know, I was given total creative freedom we could do whatever we wanted but within like we couldn't just go anywhere we had a budget where we had to you know i had to i had to pitch trips to my boss right
1: and we would always try to like you know raise the ante a little bit you know first can we go to um across canada great found a way to do that can we go to games now right okay can we go to the stanley cup
0: so we so
1: edmonton made this run and we
0: didn't know Stoll and Torres, that we met them in the summertime after when we went to right Kevin Week's uh yeah. tournament. So we um, were covering, and our media credentials were just practices. So that's all we could go to. We couldn't go to games. We couldn't go to post game. Couldn't go to the locker. Room, we could just go to the practices. So we're in Edmonton at the same time as the Hoop It Up, yeah, which was like Jan- is June, um, and uh, we know we're doing some bits with the Oilers and uh and they're playing the Carolina Hurricanes and this is the first time I meet Eric Stahl and actually Eric Stahl excuse me Jared Stoll Eric Stahl and um I think actually Coolius gave me this idea about he told me that there are like four brothers four Stahl brothers uh and he's like yeah but you could be the fifth Stahl I'm like no yeah, that's that's kind of funny so the first time I meet Eric Stahl I I I I say, hey, uh, you know, I I'm not sure why you guys didn't claim me. I'm the fifth stall brother, much like Eddie Murphy, 20 years earlier, did the skit about the being the fifth Beatle, and the Beatles at the time he called they the Clarences, and he was the fifth Beatle, and he played the recordings <laughs> <laughs> backwards on. Right. So I, anyway, I stole Eddie Murphy's bit. Anyway, so on that trip, we are in uh, Edmonton, and we meet these guys in Calgary the year before, Bo and Nick. And we go out so we and so here's the thing. We meet so we'll meet some interesting people and we meet these girls that were friends with some of the hockey
1: players. Well
0: one was a friend and the other one we knew. He's and, doing the
1: quotation things with friends.
0: Okay, so yeah. So so these girls were so it's like game, I don't know, three or four of the Stanley Cup final and these one of the girls was really friendly with Alex Hemsky. And, um, they're like, they didn't even want to go to the games. Like they had tickets for these games. They didn't want to go to the games. Um, and we went out with these girls and our friends from Calgary came to Edmonton. And I remember being so, I was, I was so, uh, enthusiastic in my partying, let's say. Okay. I was drinking a lot and, um, (laughs) I had a, and i was it was so sick that night that i think like after about an hour of being sick i think you like you knocked under like cab you got to go like we got to we got to put you in a taxi and you go sleep it off and i was like all right all right and i'm not even sure how i made it home but another one of your assists uh came through and that was so on that trip we met jared Stoll. and uh or that experience no, of- we
1: met jared so raffy came to the um if i could be wrong but raffy came that summer to the Weeks thing. Stoll did not, but Rafi did. And then we wanted to go visit Rafi at training camp the next year. And he introduced us to Stoll, who was there that night, and came the next year with Rachel to the to the Kevin Weeks thing.
0: Oh, is that what it
1: was? That's how it went.
0: Because the first time we went, it was was Mike Johnson there? So 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 Kevin no. Weeks used to do these golf tournaments in Barbados. And he would invite NHL players to, to come. So in 05, uh, Vince LeCavalier and Brad Richards, who were both members of the Tampa Bay Lightning, they came, and this is after they won the Stanley Cup Final.
1: Right, and they came, and Raffi was there, and Anthony Stewart was there.
0: Right, that's right. And then the following year, Jared Stoll and Rafi Torres came, and they were in the Stanley Cup Final. And then the following year... It was Jason Spezza and Ray Emery. They right. came and they were in the Stanley Cup final. Right. Um, so yeah. Okay. So there's that one night in Edmonton where we went for, I don't even remember what that bit was. It was oh five. It was like September of oh five, and we went out with the guys and the the dudes at the time. They ran the city and it was the first night. That I, was that the first night we. No, oh, that was the first time we really partied with athletes. I think.
1: Partied with, I mean, we did in, see, we crossed the line in Barbados.
0: The, I think it was the second time we did.
1: First time we did as well. We were on the bus with Lauren Woods. Oh,
0: yes. And Milt Palacio. And <laughs> Palacio. Who are like And we just Raptors. go to the bars
1: with them and, and and drink with them. So it was kind of the beginning. I mean, it wasn't the same as the next year was even better. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and so then, because we crossed the line with Rafi, he's like, come to the bar with us. Right. So we did
0: one night, and I was dating a girl at the time that lived in Edmonton, so I couldn't really go out for too long. So I had to, like, leave, and you guys were having so much fun. And, like, the Oilers, like, guys were making—they were the bartenders. It was, like, early, early training camp. The bar staff
1: looked so put out. Like, they didn't know what to do. The Oilers were in control of their bar. They had no control.
0: It was the Iron Horse. Shout out to the Iron Horse, which I think for a time was an institution in Edmonton, Alberta.
1: They were— pouring whatever they wanted.
0: Yeah. Just took over. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if there was a tab that was paid that night. I think it was just, we were upstairs and there were dudes just like in little areas of this bar and then guys were just running amok.
1: Right. See, guys, see, see these are the interesting lines we, we got to come close to without crossing. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: So the next summer, so the Oilers lose in seven games. Um, and we go to Barbados for, uh, kevin weeks' golf tournament and the and this is really the first time we cross the line from media guys to just guys and this is a, an important moment for us in our careers because like in this business it's all about trust trust in relationships so when you form relationships the athletes have to trust you in order for you to do the kind of material that we that we put out like to, that we pump out like but
1: also to get the to for them to accept the strange requests that they throw at them uh, so if they trust they know what it's going to look like then it doesn't sound so weird to say to a guy you know I, I need you um, to come with me and we're going to I'm just trying to think of something offhand that we did with guys like like well
0: the like we went to Ryan Getzlav's house once,
1: yeah, I need you to grab some hockey sticks, and we're gonna go play hockey on the beach,
0: right, yes, exactly. We're gonna go play hockey on the beach in newport is that is that cool with you and uh, so, yeah, so so we formed these relationships, and on that that weekend when we we're in Barbados, everybody like it was a work trip, but it wasn't really work, it was a little bit of vacation. I mean, we shot a bunch of segments and we shot like three or four segments, and um. And just the stories, like, I remember talking about, uh, oh, maybe it was the following year, but one time, I think we were talking about Sidney Crosby once, weren't we? And it's, like, interesting to get when you're talking to athletes about other athletes in their sports, which we rarely do because that's kind of what most people would Was watch. Trish on that trip?
1: Was Trish the next Stratus
0: year? was the next year. That was Donovan Bailey, Trish Stratus.
1: Trish is in studio tomorrow.
0: Oh, nice. Um, Oh seven was, yeah, that was Spetsa, Ray Emery. Um, there's another guy from, uh, the Ottawa team. I can't remember his name. Um, but he was, he was, uh, a French dude. Really, really nice guy. He, he brought his, he brought his lady. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, uh, so yeah, so that, that trip was, and that began your relationship with Jared Stoll, which I guess we'll get to because when we were in, uh, LA like last month, uh, my friend Justin, uh, who's who's a, a very close friend of Jeff Carter's, at one point when we were um, out watching the, uh, basketball, we were watching Wichita, Wichita State beat Gonzaga, um, Justin asked me, he's like, how was DK so close to Jared Stoll? Like, how did that relationship form? And I know we met in Barbados, and then... Um, the following year, we went to cover Jared Stoll's golf tournament in Saskatoon, and then we went again. To, so, we went two thousand seven, and then we went two thousand eight, and that's where uh, the relationship, I guess, was a little tighter. But you were always closer to Jared yeah, Stoll. Yeah, but we had good
1: conversations, great conversations. I find Jared a real interesting guy. Some people call him the coolest dude on hockey. I agree. Yeah, I think so. I think he's so. down to earth in a, in this way that you can. I find I can have conversations with him about a lot of stuff, and I think yeah, we bonded a little bit in in Barbados. But then we had the golf tournament. It's a good, good conversation, and we had after that New Year's. And we had so much fun on New Year's, and I think like that's just stayed with us. That was
0: we. So Dave thought we spent, we welcomed, ushered in uh, two thousand and nine, two thousand eight or two thousand nine. I
1: think it's nine. And I mean, unfortunately, we can't date this because. um, we saw the reunion that night of Travis Barker and A-Track.
0: No, DJ AM.
1: DJ AM
0: at the Wiltern in LA. We Jared like hooked up this part. We were there um we did some I remember the the Columbus Blue Jackets were there cuz we saw we were at the Mondrian or the right. or the Standard Hotel and Rick Nash and Commodore were there and and in the in the lobby and those guys were going to party there. And we had dinner with uh, with Scott Hartnell, who's very close to Jared Stoll, at, on, the, on the on the patio. And then we went to the party. Right. Where uh, right. I actually spoke about this with Jared on the, on, on, the, the uh, on a
1: podcast. Yeah. Those guys had just been in a plane crash.
0: Oh, well, Travis Barker and DJM. Yes, months before that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So
1: this is the first time performing together, and obviously, you know, DJM has passed away since then. But that's how we would know what day, what Europe would be.
0: I think I want to say it's. I feel like it's going into. You might be right, going into 2009, but I'm not certain. I can't remember. So all this, we're, we're, so we're we're still at the score. So then, so then there's, uh, okay. So so stole. That's really, that's really how how it how it started or how it
1: developed. Yeah, I, I mean, at that point, that night we just had so much fun. Particularly after we left, and we went to the Hollywood Hills to our first Hollywood Hills party, and um, Rachel. Was driving. This is Jared's ex, and um, she wasn't very happy with us because we took some bottles from that (laughs) (laughs) from the party venue.
0: Yeah, we took three. So there was like three bottles of of Grey Goose left, and and then we're like, well, we don't want to just leave them here. Like they're all paid for. Let's take them to the next party. So we shoved them down our pants like we were tenth graders, and then we jumped into her SUV, and she wasn't drinking. She was the DD. So. You know, thank, thankfully, um, she sacrificed that night for us, and her sister knew the guy who was throwing this party, which had a guest list yeah. and security and everything.
1: But when she turned around in the car and saw that we stole the bottles, she just lost it on us. Like, we were just little children, yeah, just it, behaving badly, she, <laughs> just just upset. And then we drove to this party, and, you know, different than anything I've ever seen, there wasn't a bouncer at the door. There was a lady with a clipboard. But, no, there was a guy. There was one guy in a suit. There was a big guy. Yeah, just making sure. But, like, it was a lady on a clipboard. and. Yeah guest list guest list to get into this house party rachel's sister got us in and then you walk in and it's surreal it's like out of a movie you know in different rooms in different places people are doing different things and and it just seems to go on forever it's endless this house and you walk out the back and there's a pool one of those never-ending pools yeah didn't you step in it i did (laughs) (laughs) so now now one of my feet is is just wet just soaking wet yeah i I don't give a fuck i just you know i keep walking through this party (laughs) And Jared and I just start opening doors in this house. You know, you'd open one door and there's just someone doing cocaine. We're like, okay, good. Close that door. Open up the next door and there's just a going on. And we're just like, oh, good. Was it you. really? Yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know you guys saw people having, but I know it was a, oh, that's unbelievable. unbelievable. We, were just, we were just giggling, closing doors and opening up, the, you know, other doors and just a guy just tripping out in another room. Um, it was just fun exploring with Jared. And then I ended up leaving my cell phone in Rachel's car when she drove us home. Jared went to practice the next day and then drove across the city to drop it off at our hotel. So good for him.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, dude, is this a solid salt of the earth dude? I'm, I'm trying to think of who was like the first, was, was Jared the first athlete that you had uh, like a friendship with? Like that you guys would text each other or, or talk on the phone?
1: No, I'm sure there was other guys, which I never followed through with. Them. I mean, Rafi for sure. Um, a lot of those guys from Barbados. I th- I can't remember. I'm trying to think of like who Anthony the f- Stewart. I went out with a few times. Went out with them to a place just around here. Actually, we're near Queen and uh, Richmond.
0: I can't I can't remember who the first, like who the first athlete's phone. You know I,
1: but we did used to trade numbers because I would get we would always get numbers. Guys, guys are always willing to offer you their numbers. We were just in um, Houston. We're in Houston. Where was the? Uh, we were in oh, Chicago.
0: For the, all for the, the McDonald's, McDonald's game. McDonald's game? And
1: yeah. There's Jalen Rose. He's like, "Cab, take my number. Oh, so it cool. does
0: happen. Jalen's a solid dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I can't remember how... So we were... I don't remember how... Like the first time we went to someone's house, I think was GetzLab's house. Yeah. And that was in Kelowna. I feel like that was... Cause we, we did Kelowna twice, right?
1: No, I don't think we or did once? Kelowna once.
0: Oh. So we went there for something called the Center of Gravity, and... Again, when we were at score, we'd like to shoot a bunch of other pieces while we were in some location. So we shot a, a piece at uh, Getzlav's house. Yeah. And he's got this campus in uh, Kelowna, and he picks us up on this boat. And we met these girls literally minutes before he showed up on the oh, boat. Yeah, like, right. what are you girls doing? Like, oh, we're just going out on the beach. You guys want to come hang out with uh, a friend of ours? The girls like okay.
1: Yeah, we didn't tell him who. We just drove.
0: Yeah, so we so we, we sh- get out. So I tell him like, yo, RG, is it cool if these girls come hang out? He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh so they came to hang out.
1: That was a uh, that was a good time. He had a, like one of those things, those chippers, like uh, he not had a, a putting, mini golf. He had green. a putting green, but you could also chip from somewhere else.
0: Yes, he had a, he had a, a green, green to a green, so you yeah. could work on a chip I shot. Just, I, want,
1: I want to go back to something because I cause I know that people listening probably think um it's oh, cool you got athletes phone numbers on your phone. Wow, that's awesome. Or maybe they don't, but I'll tell you why it isn't awesome because if you lose your phone, then people start calling those numbers. And sometimes those people don't know who the athletes are and they could be French tourists in oh, Spain. Oh
0: my gosh. That's right. <laughs> and the uh, next
1: thing you know, they're dialing David Ortiz's number.
0: That's right. That's right. So we went to Spain in uh, 2008. Uh, uh, DK, myself, my boy juice and my dude ari we call who we call the truth and we're in barcelona and we're it's, it's an awesome trip we're like taking we're being t- tourists and we're taking in we're at this like uh, we're we're looking at the olympic site yeah the the it's summer olympic great site great hike good walk i leave my phone by one of those binoculars that you can put 25 cents in to see like to look at some area of the city I leave my phone and as I'm writing graffiti on this wall like a total friggin' jerk. I'm writing, you know, fellas X was here, some kind of BS like that. And then I realize that I left my I lost my phone. So we go sprinting back up this huge staircase up to this area where the um the binoculars, the binoculars were, yeah. were. My phone's not there. I am freaking out because I've lost phones before and there's this restaurant. So we go happen to go to the restaurant. And I'm looking around panicked and there's his family. And I'm not even sure how we got to find out that they had the phone,
1: but. Well, I'll tell you how. And this would be a good segue into Dave Wilder because okay. I'm in Spain and I'm starting to get phone calls from Dave Wilder. Oh,
0: that's right. Oh, wasn't it Dave? Was
1: it Dave Wilder? Or was it Dave Beakley? It, it might have been both or one of those guys. And and uh, just say it's Wilder. And, and he's like, some French couple keeps phoning me and it's coming on Cabby's. Uh, they've seen something about the. A phone or whatever and I'm like they found Cabby's phone I'm like you gotta that. call them back and it turns out not only did they call our friend Dave in Calgary they phoned um, our friend probably Dave Beakley in uh, Winnipeg right they called David Ortiz <laughs> that's right <laughs> and they also called your uncle in Trinidad right
0: they called my uncle Wellen. so and my uncle Llewellyn spoke to these French people and so my uncle Llewellyn is in Trinidad so he speaks with a certain english patois so it's kind of a broken english but he's it's not quite but he's got an accent and speaking to these french people who don't speak english very well so they obviously have an accent and they're trying to communicate with each other about my phone it was a total calamity but anyway we found them and they were so nice and like and i tried to give them money for finding my phone because i've lost phones before and it's so tragic yeah and they wouldn't take it and that you know i had to pay it forward somehow i don't remember how but that was uh, so. Paid
1: it forward to some French girls later. Right. Okay. Yeah. So
0: let's let like, so Let's go to, okay. So another one of these life changers, Dave Wilder. When we went to Calgary for the first time, Tim McAuliffe, a colleague of ours at the Score, said you gave me a card. He's like, you gotta look up this guy. He, he just said this guy's name, Doug Donald. You remember the card? I don't know if he gave it to me, but he showed me the card. So I don't remember his name, but when we got to see Mastermind at the radio station in calgary i said mastermind i want to go to we want to go to this place called cowboys and he's like no you don't he's like no no. we want to go to cowboys and then we walk down the hall to another radio station which was a rock station a mastermind leans his head in he's like hey red dog these guys want to go to uh cowboys can you call your boy doug call your boy your people there he's like sure so he set us up with doug donald we get to cowboys
1: Life-changing. So we get to the front. And we're like, oh, there's a huge lineup. And, uh, you know, we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll wait in line, but let's just try. We, uh, excuse me, sir, bouncer. Um, <laughs> we're here to see Doug Donald. He's like, shh, shh, shh. hold on one second. Goes back. Next thing you know, this guy comes out. He's like, fellas. Yeah, he was He's like, hey. So it he, he kind of has like a raspy
0: kind of a voice. Very nice man. Black cowboy hat, black shirt. We go
1: in and... He takes us on what would probably be our first tour of a bar, and a legitimate tour. And all it means is you go from one bar to the next bar, from that bar to the next bar. And every bar, there's a bunch of drinks for you, and you don't have to pay for them.
0: Right. And every bar was staffed with extremely attractive, buxom women. Buxom, yeah. Buxom. They have great curves. So. You know, Dave, I've never worked in a restaurant or a club. When I was in high school, I worked at Wendy's. I worked at uh, Beaver Lumber, which is a hardware store, which that. no longer yeah. exists. And I worked at Canadian Tire. Those
1: are my jobs in high school. What were your jobs? I made salads at the Pickle Barrel for a bit <laughs> <laughs> when I was, like, 14. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, other jobs. There's, like, um, this place called the Adventure Zone that I worked at for a, for a long time. <laughs> um,
0: did you work, did you have a job in high school? Like, These in are the all high work? school jobs. High school, okay. Yeah.
1: And I worked here in the summer and I did like, um, in between university I did uh, some demolition, demolition work. Did you really? Yeah. You would just go into a house and we'd just like knock down walls and stuff. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. hated that job. <laughs> but it, but a, it was good. It was good work.
0: So, and, and, and then at university, I worked at HMV and a movie theater and those are my, and then I got a yeah. internship at the score. What did you, what were your, what were your university jobs?
1: When I was at university, it didn't work. Oh, okay, uh, but you know, in between, and then I would work in the summer at summer camp or whatever. So, so we never had
0: the bar experience. No, no, no. So now we're getting a tour uh, of this legendary establish- establishment called Cowboys in Calgary. You know what? I actually I need to get Doug Donald.
1: On, on the, the podcast, podcast yes, just to tell do. some
0: stories because some stories you I I really want to tell I yeah, just like, think they're just not they're not
1: The time you took us to the Midget Bar.
0: Yes, in uh, in Phoenix. That was amazing. So so we're going on this tour and and um we're like we got to come back here and film a segment the next day. You're so stupid. So yeah. <laughs> so the next day uh we're like Doug or that night we're like Doug, we can we come back and film a segment. He's like, "Yeah, of course." So then we then following day we come back. We show up at Cowboys and there are signs on the doors like when entering the premises, you will be on TV I was like, wow, this is like official. Like we're right. just we're just doing this little segment called cabby on the Street, but like it's like it's an official but like. Really production. all we want to do is
1: get these bartenders on camera because right, we know they're that hot. they're gold. And they're and they're hot. And they actually know a thing or two about hockey and Calgary. They they know sports. Um And but- and some <laughs> of them were probably
0: stars in what was um I think it, the website was called, was it called Calgary Girls? or was it, No, it was called Fl- Flames oh, Girls. Oh, Flames
1: Girls during their, their playoff run, right. yeah.
0: their Stanley Cup run of 2004, and it was basically girls were just pulling up their tops. And like guys were like, oh! it was like spring break in, I suppose, like June or May or June when they were playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final. And th- this, this story just went across the whole country. And I'm sure some of the staff at Cowboys were one of these girls.
1: Right, they must have started. So we got them on camera. Which is, I mean, I, I say, you know, a stupid idea, but it was actually great because it got so much attention. Right. So, in, in a, so like, so
0: then we would, and so that night, we met uh, Doug Donald's right-hand man, a guy named Dave Wilder. And I think we put Wilder in the segment. I don't remember what the first segment was. I just remember him saying he beat his roommate, Jim Taylor, oh, yeah. in PlayStation. I, I think it was NBA Live.
1: Uh, I, I think it was, um, it was Unforgiven. What would you like to be forgiven for? Right.
0: Right. It was. And we just got a bunch of bartenders and then Dave Wilder. Who that night I was like, "What's your middle name?" He's like, "Andrew." I'm like, "All right, this is Dave Andrew Wilder." And from from then on, he's known as he's now known as DA. Well, I just call DA, him DA. Yeah. Um, so that's so then and then we went back to Cowboys. To, we probably shot another six or seven segments at Cowboys. And now the whole country, if they didn't know before, they really knew about Cowboys. And it got so ridiculous that we once played soccer in the bar it against was, the
1: girls. Yeah. Winners lose their tops.
0: Right. So <laughs> it was uh, DK, myself, and DA Dave Wilder were on a team, and we just played the bartenders, the staff, and it was hard to focus because they're in these little tops and shorts, and we're you know, and uh, it was around the, I guess we were doing World Cup stuff. I guess it was World 2006 was yeah when, World, the Cup, World Cup yeah. And the girls lost, and one of the girls, uh, as per the rules of the commissioner Doug Donald, took her top off. Of course, I wasn't allowed to show that footage because it was a little too racy for, you know, nightly. I remember uh,
1: editing it though.
0: Yeah, several times. Yeah, so you know that that was one of the gifts of being the producers. You get to see all the footage. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that one girl in Boston who showed us when we went to we went to after the Red Sox won? I wasn't on that trip. Oh, she do remember
1: looking at the uh, footage though.
0: Yeah, and she wasn't she she would not have been, Roger Santa. <laughs> she would not have made the staff at no. Cowboys. Uh so when after the Boston Red Sox won the World Series in 2004, uh we went to Boston a- to see the fans line up for for the opening day and they camped out overnight and we b- found a bunch of colorful Boston characters. One was this girl who um showed us um her breasts and they weren't that dope uh, and she wasn't so anyway we did 2006 Stanley Cup 2007 Ottawa versus the Anaheim Ducks that's where we met Dustin Penner and Ryan Getzlaff who I have become very close to both of those guys and we didn't even like at the time you're not even thinking. you're just we're just doing these silly interviews and guys are responding I guess the pinnacle it, it really started to change in 2008 so now we were following the full Stanley Cup journey. It's my man D, my man B, and myself. And when I first started Cabby on the street, I would have this tagline. I would say, "I'm with my man B, I'm with my man D, and I'm gone." My man B was my cameraman, Brian Roy, and D would be off camera doing something, and the you ca- doing something. I never knew what it was. We'd swing over, and he would, you know, he'd be do- posing on a chair doing like a karate, a, a crane kick, or. He'd be doing something and that was like part of like, that was like the little extra pop at the end of the segments. But so now it's 2008 and we're covering the Stanley Cup final. And in the final, the Red Wings beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the thing that we would do is like, the thing about the playoffs is the stars, like the big A-list stars aren't always the stars of the series. So we would find other players to interview who would then become the stars because it's a condensed second season. But we got lucky in this regard because I formed this friendship with Chris Osgood, who was the starting goaltender for the Detroit Red Wings. Somehow, and he just and he would just let me interview him in like after the big media scrum. He'd always save some time for me, and I think it became the and it our interviews with athletes changed because and you made this observation when they would see. Their friends at home would see these interviews like oh, I saw you with cabbie and they would get text messages and that would sort of validate me And that would sort of co-sign my stuff. So they'd be like, oh, okay My buddy saw it. They really liked it as opposed to the traditional interview. So that's when things It was different It changed
1: So we'd been going on this pace um, Where we go and get segments we try to get athletes and now Like I said, we would go into the score and try to raise the ante so raising the ante this time meant going on the road for several weeks at a time, covering the playoffs in a way that nobody we felt had covered it before. So actually talking to players, um, see one of the things that that bugs me about post-game interviews is they're so boring. They're so um, dry and not memorable. And I had been able to see the cabbie talking to these athletes was able to get a lot more out of them. So now take that and combine it to the NHL playoffs. And we believed we could get more out of these guys, show part of the fun of hockey, you know, even during the most intense times, that these guys could laugh and smile, and show some of their personality, when even when the the most cameras are on them, the most attention was on them, the most pressure was on them, and that cabby could kind of represent the fan in the in the dressing room, and and talk to them in the way the fan would talk to them, the real person would talk to them, and and. Ask questions that people might actually want to know. Um, for example, how well do you actually think you played tonight? <laughs> right. And the guys would say, well, "I played pretty well." And Cab would say, "All right, let's uh, take a report card and get you to fill it out yourself."
0: Right. That was uh, Mark Savard. Did that? He was awesome. Boston. I think it was a Boston and Montreal series, and we made a report card, and it was like you know, skating effort performance and he graded himself and I think that game they won like 4-1 so he gave him he and it was like team grade individual grade uh, that was and then other times we would just bring the box score and I would highlight that person's line so they can see their their minutes and their shots and all that for the first time and, yeah
1: this is the first time they're going to see their own stats and they would comment oh you know I, I didn't know I did that I'll give you another example we were talking about the stalls before so Cabby had really formed this relationship with the Stall brothers and he'd say you know, I'm part of the family. So Mark Stahl scored the winning goal for the Rangers one game. And since Cab is part of the family, he went in there and he said, let's call mom. So that's what we did. We called Mark Stahl's mother on speakerphone. And this was the first time he was getting a chance to speak to her since he scored, at that point, the biggest goal of his life.
0: And and she was surprised that he was calling because she's like, I didn't think you would call this early. and You know, and... Uh... And he's like, Mom, what did you think of the game? She's like, Oh, we're so proud of you. We're so happy that you won. But it, that, I forgot about that. That was a pretty cool moment where he actually got to speak to his mom. And and, and I think this was your idea. I'm pretty sure it was. So, so I'm, I'm in studio with my producer, uh, Dave Crix, And we, so I had sort of embedded myself with the family as the fifth Stahl brother. So all, all of my <laughs> interactions yeah. with Jordan Stahl, Mark Stahl, and Eric Stahl involved me referencing the family. And every time I would interview these guys, DK's like, you should give them 20 bucks for, for lunch and tell them it's from mom. So every single time I interview one of those three guys, I would start the interview with, mom told me to, get mom told me to give you 20 bucks for lunch.
1: And these guys were awesome. Like, they would just take the money, put it in their pocket, and act yeah. like, oh, thanks. And Jordan would never give the money back. Eric. God, every
0: no. I think he kept it too. I two think in. Eric's
1: up like sixty or 80. no. Eric,
0: Eric, I gave them. I think I was well over. And I, I remember finding. I didn't find all the clips, but I think I gave him over. I think about one twenty. Jordan about a hundred bucks because we talked, spoke to him a bunch of times during the two thousand eight and two thousand nine uh, playoffs. And then Mark, I think about sixty bucks. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, those dudes. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, but then, of course, if we're talking about those times, so so ultimately you're going through the playoffs, and this thing was called Journey to the Cup. So the pressure was to get to the Stanley Cup. What we're going to do with it once we got there, who knew? But so, Cab is talking about uh, Chris Osgood because he formed this relationship with Chris Osgood. By the time the Cup came, we knew that we had to find Chris Osgood and the Stanley Cup together. I'm gonna let you take it from there.
0: That was that was like the we'll get to the Kobe stuff soon and. I want to get to, like, Will Ferrell. I want to get back to Mike Tyson. Uh, your fight with Dion Phaneuf, I want to get to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw uh, th- a
1: picture of you and uh,
0: Alicia. It made me think of that. Right. Um, and there's, like, there's, there's, I don't know if we'll get to it, but there's a bunch of stuff we're yeah. going to talk about. So I guess mainly it's because of the Kobe interviews. Like, people would think that we could do anything because we had done, we had these moments and experiences with these athletes that people hadn't seen before. So during like when the when the Red Wings won in game 6 in Pittsburgh I was like we I have to somehow drink from the Stanley Cup like I have no business drinking from the Stanley Cup especially but after, after
1: the team just won I've never seen this before but we believed that it was possible
0: Yeah and we had like somehow some way had to do it So we're walking through so and like I wore this yellow poncho with like these um
1: goggles with these
0: goggles I had like a I had a snorkel which I later abandoned but we did some interviews on the ice and all the guys got familiar with me and then finally so we're going into the dressing room on the way in I see Nicholas Lidstrom he has he he consumed maybe 90% of this bottle of champagne I'm like how do you feel he goes oh I feel great bud. how do you feel I'm like I feel awesome not as awesome as you but I feel awesome he's like do you want some I'm like sure so then he he poured the remainder of the champagne into my mouth and that like there may have been chunks in it and I, and I drank his backwash and I (laughs) didn't matter. That happened. That happened. It was, it was kind of gross, but it was kind of awesome at the same time. So we go into this room and this is the old, the melon arena and the dressing rooms for the visitors were terrible. They were tiny. So in this room, there are like a hundred dudes. There's like all the guys on the team, all their buddies, their, you know their family members and the media and the media and the team guys so uh i think the first person we see was dominic hashik and uh and he and he and he said uh we're gonna give a champagne to the kids i'm like real champagne because no 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 we're gonna give them like uh, yeah
1: he was great uh, the fake champagne cham-
0: fake champagne like grape juice or <laughs> ginger ale or something so anyway so and he
1: tried on your snorkel and bent he- it that's when you abandoned it after dominic Put it in his Put mouth. Put in
0: his mouth. <laughs> yeah, and he did pour champagne over me. So, so later, so I get some interviews, and finally, Chris Osgood emerges into the second part of the, the dressing room, and I'm like, Chris. Uh, so I interview him, and I think it was Darren McCarty at the same time. I'm like, Chris, I, I want to drink from the cup. He's like, All right. So he waves for the cup to come over. And then he waves for some champagne to come so over. So you have
1: to picture this: when somebody waves for the cup to come over, and this room is packed, you just see the cup above everybody's head being passed forward until it reaches Chris Osgood.
0: So finally, gets to Chris Osgood. He pours some champagne in the cup, and I start saying something to the camera, like, "Finally, the journey's over. I'm with my guys." And it, there's no better way to finish it like it. Some, something to that talk effect. about
1: having to get something right on the first take
0: Yeah, cuz that's the only time we're gonna get so he pours champagne into the cup and then he he tips it up to my mouth But it wasn't enough. I was like no I'm gonna di- higher higher So then he pours champagne into my mouth and I drink the champagne and I have my famous You know my sign off. I'm with my man B. I'm with him a man D and the journey's complete something like that but it was like but see I don't know if uh, if it had been that moment had been captured on camera before with a member of the media. I know that their boys and their families, when they get the cup for a day, mm-hmm. they get to the drink from it. But on TV, that was like that was like a huge moment where some fat reporter from Toronto, uh, you know, gets to drink from this cup. That you know, I didn't.
1: What well, kind know. of celebrate with the players? So this journey was complete at that moment. So what I believed, if you were the fan who'd been through the whole thing. This is the point that the fan got to celebrate with the players for the first time and not just, you know, say, how does it feel? We know how it feels. You want to know how it feels. right? So you are experiencing how it feels instead of just asking a player how it feels. Um, That was a difference for me. And I I tend to kind of soak all this stuff in hyperbole. But um, that's how it, it kind of comes through in my mind eventually.
0: All right, so let's tell this Dion Phaneuf story real quick. So Dion Phaneuf will segue us into Red Bull.
1: You, but we, d- before huh? we get there, just one quick thing: we we drank from the cup. You drank from the cup, and then the next week, what was in our hands? Oh yeah, the Larry O'Brien Trophy. I forgot about that. Yeah, then we went to see. Talk the, about unprecedented.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was uh, the Boston Celtics won in Game Six in Boston versus the L.A. Lakers. 0-8. And we'd formed a a special bond with Kobe, but we're in the dressing room. And I remember interviewing Rajon Rondo, who I tried, who I think I made laugh once before. And then he smiled in that interview. Obviously he was elated and Glenn, big baby Davis was like, Canada already drunk. Like we're in the the dressing room, like 30 minutes after the, Mm -hmm. after the win. And he's already drunk. And I'm holding, we're both holding the Larry O'Brien trophy. So I'm not sure if anybody has been able to do that. Cover the Stanley Cup final, drink from that, and then hold the Larry O'Brien trophy, which is the NBA championship trophy. But that was... um, Which
1: was was presented to us by Donnie Wahlberg from the New Kids on the Block.
0: Right. And which is, how did we meet Donnie Wahlberg?
1: Do we meet him there that night? Uh, That's a good question. I think we met him um, wherever we met him. Yeah, we did. We went to go interview him post, because we needed someone to talk to post. Uh, One of their wins. Yeah, we needed to talk to someone post the game. And Donnie's like, hey, cabbie," And you're like shaking your head, like, what? And you're like, yeah, I'm filming in Toronto. I used to watch you all the time. Right, So that, and then he brought Joe McIntyre in the interview. So that's
0: where we met Donnie Wahlberg. He was shooting a couple of the Saw movies, I think, in, yeah. in Toronto. So he gave us some great sound bites. And then, like, fast forward to like a year or two later DK and I are at a new kids on the block concert in at the Air Canada Center like third row on our phones for 90 straight minutes as these guys perform to 20,000 screaming women and we were guests of Donnie Holmberg. Yeah. but you know and and it was you know it was I I looked up a few times and I'm like oh these guy's really have a command of the audience but I wasn't really trying to sing neither was so we just get
1: past this part okay okay fine okay
0: fine so so then uh okay Ottawa.
1: No, Denfenef.
0: Ottawa, I think this is 09 07 or 09. Right. We're there for flu talk, And we go If to... there's
1: ever a part 2 of this, we'll talk about the relationship with Red Bull and and we'll talk about I want I with... want to
0: say the one the one our introduction to Kenny Mac. I want to say that one one part. So, we're at a dinner with uh in Ottawa and we're there with Red Bull covering this event. <laughs> and we're in this private room and we're all loud and boisterous. There's like nine or 10 of us at the table. And uh So we're talking about Red Bull athletes, and Dion Phaneuf was one of the first, like, was the first hockey Red Bull athlete, uh, because Red Bull had, their athletes were generally in um, sort of the extreme sports world, and they were um, forming partnerships with athletes in sort of the traditional four four sports. So what did you say to him to get him angry with
1: you? (laughs) So we're at this steak dinner, and... Uh, it was a great dinner. Red Rebel does it right. And I'm sitting at, at this long table, and across from me is Dion Phaneuf. And we're, i like to engage these guys and talk about things that are, I find are interesting. And we were talking about, with Red Bull, the fact that they sponsored Dion Phaneuf. And I thought that was awesome. I really did. I thought that Red Bull going out of their traditional market into more mainstream sports was cool. And um, I said... Kind of offhand, you know, I think that's really good. And, and they should even get some more hockey players in there. And he's, he kind of turned around. No, no, you
0: were like, you, were like, <laughs> you said it was like, uh, it's not like they didn't try to get other guys. Something to, <laughs> something to that effect. Like,
1: so, <laughs> I thought I said that I thought they should get other guys. He's like, what? I'm like, well, you know, it would make sense. Like a bunch of hockey players. He's like, no, they just want me. I said, you're telling me that if they wanted Alex Ovechkin, uh, they wouldn't take him? Nope, they just want me. I'm like, you're crazy. If Alex Ovechkin was approached by Red Bull, uh and, and he said yes, they would take him in a second and he's like, Nope, they just want me.
0: So that, so P'nuff got took exception to, to DK's questioning of his talent or his celebrity or whatever it was. And he got pretty fired up. But we had to like calm the situation down <laughs> and eventually there was everything was fine. But yeah, I do I do remember. Yeah,
1: it, Cabby thought it was funny. So the next time we saw him it was in Vancouver for uh EA Sports, NHL 12 or whatever, right NHL 10. And he's um, like, I got a present for you, Dion. And then Dion's like, I don't know, what you what are you going to do, Cabby? And then he's like, sits me down next to Cabby. He's like, you guys are going to fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's so right. We yeah, fought yeah. each other in NHL 10, and I beat him twice. <laughs> so then I thought he forgot about it until um, the All-Star game last year, and I see Jamie McLennan noodles. From TSN, who used to play for the Calgary Flames, he's like, "D, come here, come here, I want to introduce you to someone." And so he introduces me to Dion, and Dion turns around and goes, "I know you." <laughs> <laughs> I go, he goes, I go, don't think I forgot. He goes, it's all wonderful. something <laughs> like, it's all water under the bridge now. But I'm like, that's great. Noodles, as a side note, is the MC for Dion's wedding.
0: Oh, nice. Which is, I don't know if I, I'm allowed to say it, but it's because Alicia just told me, hey, I, I almost, anyway. Whatever. yeah.
1: Yeah, so. Um, uh, Dion, no so offense, man. I'm just, right now, I'm going to clear the air. Let's squash it. <laughs> <laughs> Squashed. Yeah. Squash, squash. Hey, so uh, the first time we meet,
0: so Red Bull, we were able to go on like, all these amazing trips on these awesome Red Bull events. We got to go to Europe a few times, um, and uh, all across Canada. South Africa. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, we went to South Africa with Rebel, yeah. of course, with their, um, what was the name of that event? It just is terrible, but it was like a freestyle, freestyle soccer, soccer yeah. event. Um, and the first time we meet the, this guy who's like, I don't even know what Kenny Mac's, Kenny McIntyre is his name, but we call him Kenny Mac. I don't really know what his title is. It's like culture ambassador or something like that. Or call, so we're in Quebec City, Oh, yeah. At an event called Crash Dice, and this is the first, and this is like '05 or '06, the first time we go to it, and we're coming back from a club. It was either Shea Maurice or the Dago Bear. No,
1: we're is that, or did we meet him the night that we went to the big event? What do you mean? You know, the final event at the end of, and it was like at that army base. No, no, no. Oh, do we meet him there? We, well, we met no, him. On the it walk the first, back. No,
0: it was the No, it was because we were staying at the Capitol. Uh Hotel, which was the first hotel we stayed at when the first time we attended that event, I remember mm-hmm. we were at that hotel, but no, we came back there was like eight of us walking back from the dago let's say mm-hmm. and Kenny was like a huge prankster, so he got one of his colleagues' room keys, so we go to his room, eight dudes at like three o'clock in the morning, empty out the mini bar, and then i'm like I- i'm gonna get out i'm gonna get out of here'cause it's just like
1: now, they just started like whatever line was there with you don't cross with your friends, they they it didn't exist for these guys. they They emptied out his mini bar. They uh, did things to his his contact lenses, yeah, they so they put this is this is the this is the worst
0: one to me. They put gin in his contacts lens solution. And
1: I was like, dude, you you guys are like that's that's awful. like that is like that's really cold. It's not like funny I'm like, oh yeah, you guys like moved my stuff around like. They're, they're trying to hurt their friends. <laughs> yeah. So didn't, you stayed. Didn't they move all of the they furniture? Moved all his stuff out of there. And not only that, they left him with just like his bed. And in the bed, because they knew he was going to come out and pass out regardless, was a condom that they'd filled with some white... Like hand cream. Yeah.
0: Hand cream. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just on his pillow. So, but
0: also, but then they put his... Phone under his bed and kept calling his phone. <laughs> I
1: don't know. And but that's amazing if they did that. I think they did. Kenny that. Mac did like this time. Blackberries are really big, and everyone had kind of had the same blackberry, the one with that ball.
0: Yes, yes, the tr- yeah, the, the tracker or whatever.
1: Kenny Mac had an extra one that was shattered, so he would say, "Can I borrow your cell phone for a sec?" And then he'd be like. Fuck, I just dropped it and you pick it up and give them back the shattered one (laughs) all the time And people would lose their mind because they think that they're 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 some you'd also take people's uh, cell phones and just start um, coming out of the closet to all their friends via BBM message.
0: Yeah, and he would send a huge yes. <laughs> I got one of those once. Yeah. It was like, "Hey, I'm running like uh a half marathon. I want need your support <laughs> with this. You know, like uh, I'm I'm doing it tomorrow." And I, I remember getting one from a guy. I'm like, "Oh, okay. Cool. I didn't even know you're gay, but yeah, yeah sure. Whatever." Ads. But he would yeah, he would if you ever gave him your phone, you knew that something bad was going to happen. Or he would change your BBM profile picture to something very sexually gross.
1: Right, or excrement.
0: Or yeah, excrement. Or <laughs> 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 yeah. So Kenny Mac,
1: shout out to you. Yeah, shout out to Oliver.
0: Um, sh- oh Oliver, what?
1: His uh, child.
0: No, it's uh, no, it was, it was uh, his his. Uh, oh Otis, 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 and yeah. I think Tucker is. Otis
1: it? and Tucker McIntyre.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you want? Okay, so should we tell Will Ferrell, and then get to Kobe, or maybe we should right end on Kobe? Yeah. Or, so but-
1: Will Farrell's real good. It's real quick in a way. It's just Cabbie had interviewed Will Ferrell before. We saw him at the HBO party. At an amazing restaurant in Vegas, which was the um,
0: we were at the with the Wolf, Wolfgang Puck's restaurant at the MGM, interviewing
1: some cool people. In walks this guy in a fur coat.
0: So this is this is what this is what they would this is what they would do. This is very smart. HBO would invite actors and entertainers to attend the fight, and it was we saw Manny Pacquiao destroy Oscar De La Hoya. We saw it live.
1: But they'd invite them there because that's where they would get their tickets.
0: So they could say on the on the like on an invitation, yeah, these people are going to show up because that's where they would come and pick up their tickets. So these people would show up. So you know, we inter- we interviewed some baseball players. We spoke to Bernard Hopkins, but we we're really waiting for yeah Will Reggie Ferrell.
1: Miller there. He was there. He was good. Um, but then Will Ferrell shows up in a full length fur coat, fedora, and these sunglasses that flipped open. Uh, they were terrific. <laughs> and uh so
0: so I, I approach so I'm with the, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a with a camera guy, not my man B at this time, but with my with uh DK here. Uh Dave Crick's my my longtime producer who's in studio with me. So I approach Will, I'm like, Hey Will, my name's Cabby. I interviewed you in Toronto uh when you're promoting um the Jackie Moon movie, which uh what was it called again? Oh
1: the basketball semi-pro. movie. Semi yeah, Pro. When you're promoting
0: Semi Pro would you like, can I, can I, you know, interview you really quick? And he's like, I'm only going to do the interview in the bathroom. I'm like,
1: all right, cool. Cabby, without hesitation, all right, cool, boys, let's go. So next thing you know, we're following him into the bathroom. We try to go to the women's
0: bathroom first. It's locked, so we go to the men's, and it's like, it's like a one-seater. It's not like a, you know, a bathroom with a bunch of stalls. It's one toilet, so there are four Grown men in this bathroom, Will Farrell. myself. all I do, the
1: first thing I do is just lock that door.
0: <laughs> Dave and my camera guy. So then I'm interviewing Will Farrell about uh, his love of boxing, which. He...
1: Yeah, Cab, I'll say this about this. you Not only did you interview him about his love of boxing, you went back and forth with him in the right way. And, and this is one of the most impressive times I've ever seen you kind of improv with somebody because you didn't try to one-up Will Farrell. You can't.
0: In that moment, no. No,
1: what you did was you played off Will Ferrell and you set him up to to have the punchlines, and to me that was just the perfect thing to do. And I think he appreciated it because you weren't nervous; you didn't have time to get nervous. Yeah, I, you're right. You just looked him straight in the eye, and you rolled with these these questions about boxing, boxing, whatever. and then about uh,
0: then about his like
1: punching him in the face.
0: You're right, and then he pretended to punch him right in. in in the balls but uh and then about his jacket and training
1: yeah and his jacket d- for a coat and he said and then you said it needed a perp plus bath and was like, right. <laughs> yeah it was great it was it was perfect and um what was good about it is i think that he appreciated that you weren't nervous talking to him you went toe to toe that know? was
0: that was one of the big ones that yep. that was like i've been nervous a few times i've been nervous interviewing jay-z very nervous interviewing – my and I remember the Jay-Z ones weren't good because I was, like, fumbling – I was flustered. It was like, this is Jay-Z, someone who I revere. Interviewing Michael Jordan was a big – and we, we, we'll come back and, and one, c- come back and talk about that one. Or you'll come back and talk about that one. And there are a bunch of other stories. I, I remember that – I just wrote this one down. I remember that time we were in New Orleans for the NBA All-Star Game and Shaq gave you, like – a we're walking home from a ESPN party.
1: Yes. <laughs> Sometimes there's like that eight-year-old kid in you and just like, we go to these events and they're very cool and you want to be professional, but we're walking down the street and there's Shaq just with his, uh, I don't know if the window was open or if he had like a uh, top down on his car and I'm just like, I need to go just give him a high five. Touch those <laughs> giant paws. You know, We'd spoken to Shaq before and he'd been on the segment but this was, no camera, whatever. I'm just like, Shaq in the middle of New Orleans, I just want a high five. And he's
0: in a Big ass Rolls Royce and just like, how you doing?
1: <laughs> hey, <I'm> like, <laughs> It was How's amazing. Going on?
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So that. So that. We'll give you. Uh. So this. That- I wish you were-, were in. Um. Sorry to to cut you no off, worries. but I wish you were at that Charles Barkley birthday party because you would have loved it. Oh my
0: gosh, that's right.
1: You would have loved it. I was just Didn't so. Did you bored. get on stage with Charles? Yeah. Well, I was bored. So like, it was Charles Barkley's birthday recently. His fiftieth. It's and the same
0: weekend as Michael Jordan's birthday, yeah. so he gets, which sucks. because didn't get. Flow
1: had just performed, and I was with a bunch of people from MLSC, and I was just bored. and so is that your, like, It's a
0: TNT party, right? Yeah,
1: so I'm like, I'm going to jump on stage and hug Charles. I just told the one guy sitting next to me, he's like, no, you're not. Next thing you know, I disappeared, and he saw me running on stage towards Charles, and two massive security guys pulled me off. Before and you could get to Charles? Before I could get to Charles, but because I was wearing my media pass, they didn't know what to do with me. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, nothing. I was just saying hi to Charles. They're like, how did you get here? I'm like, I just walked on. And they're like, okay. And so they just left me on stage. And did you go hug Charles? or go? Yeah, I, eventually I hugged Charles. But there a, I've shown you the pictures. Literally, it's just me and Charles on stage. So I was dancing and Charles was DJing. And then eventually he warmed up and whatever. I got to hug him. But there was no reason for me to be up there.
0: So the, uh, so the, and that weekend we did a pretty cool Event with uh, LeBron James yes. and uh, Kobe Bryant. Which... So this is a good
1: uh, segue to Kobe.
0: So we'll tell. I'll tell you tell the uh, the Kobe Bryant sort of saga, and I'll tell you like each part very quickly. Um, excuse me. So the first time I meet uh, Kobe Bryant was I remember the date. It was December fifteenth, two thousand five. It
1: was a cold day.
0: It was and it was a snowstorm in Toronto, and Kobe was wearing. A huge parka, and he wasn't in a good mood. It was after practice, and we were doing a bit about bandwagon fans, and we got some of the LA Kings. Uh, it was uh, Mike, uh, not Mike Comrie? Craig Conroy was in the bit. Yeah. Jeremy Roenick was in the bit. Phil Jackson was in the bit, and Kobe Bryant. So I go up to the Kobe, idea
1: was that they would, because I mean, we all talk about the bandwagon, but what does the bandwagon look like? We wanted them to draw it
0: yeah so I had a sketch pad and a, a sharpie, which I got Phil Jackson to actually draw the bandwagon and actually i I touched him I hugged him I put my arm around him and that's when he was he told me not to touch him it was yeah. one of one of my most <laughs> embarrassing moments ever I had this thing where I'd like to disarm my guests by touching them uh just to tell them like hey we're we're like we're just regular people yeah um so anyway so Kobe, I was nervous because this is the first time I'm really seeing Kobe Bryant and up close, and I'm I'm talking to him. So we do the bit, and he didn't draw. But just as a as a throwaway line, Dave sort of just said in my ears like, "See if he'll um let us stay in the guest house." And actually, he said that to me before I, I I walked up to Kobe Bryant. So at the end of the bit, as this a throwaway thing, I'm like, "Hey, Kobe, um, we have I have money to get like I have taxi money to get to your place, but." Is it okay that the next time I'm in Los Angeles, we can stay in your guest house?
1: And he looked at Kat and He's like, want to stay at the guest house?
0: Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd stay at Casa de Brian. He's fine. like, all right, man, you can stay at the guest And this is like the first time or second time he smiled in the interview. So then later that day.
1: Um, well, the cool thing about basketball is you can interview the players at practice. And unlike any other sport, baseball is kind of like that. You can interview them about 45 minutes before the game there is media availability. Now, Kobe doesn't really do that, but you can bring a, a camera into the locker room and you can talk to players. So, I followed up with Kobe, I was doing another piece about posters, and I
0: followed up with Kobe, I'm like, at the end of it, I was like, hey, Kobe, um, we're gonna plan a trip to Los Angeles, I need your phone number, uh, or what's your address? Yeah. And he's like, you want my address? I'm like, yeah, what's your address? So he and he and he and now he's starting to walk out of the room and he looks back. He's like, "It's eight out of your mind Avenue." I'm like, "Okay, Kobe, I'll see you later." <laughs> and uh, so that was that was December. Then um,
1: went to the All Star game.
0: We went to the All Star game in Houston that year, uh, and um, and so again, again, there's multiple media availability. So I'm I'm doing a bit about why things are bigger in the state of Texas. Again, at the end of the bit, I'm like, "Kobe, I went to that address, but." You know, I Googled it, or I went to MapQuest. Back when MapQuest was the right. that was the search engine for driving directions, It was yeah. MapQuest. I went to your house. You weren't there. Um, What's your phone number? He's like, you want my phone number? I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, here it is. It's one eight hundred. Never ever 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 call me ever. I'm like, okay. So it's a okay. So I could I could reach long you. distance number. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you, you, I could reach you on my cell phone. He's like, yeah. Try that one. A day later, I go back. I uh, I say, hey, Kobe, the the uh, the number didn't work. Um, <laughs> He's you like, check n- your cell
1: phone plan, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm like, uh, maybe it's because I used my cell phone. Right. Or I it, and he goes, see, that's your problem. You got to use a landline. I'm like, sorry, what's the number again? He goes, oh yeah, it's one eight hundred. Just don't call me. Right. So uh, then we pitched to our boss, like, hey, can we do a a trip to Los Angeles?
1: Well, we found out. What we didn't know is that people actually. I don't think we realize that people there are certain things that they remember more than they remember, and that specific line of Kobe saying "never ever ever call me" stuck with people. Yeah. And so wherever Cabby would go, and I probably saw more than, than anything else, it would change. At like first, it would be like Cab, I love that street hockey stuff, and then it would be like Cab, you know, before you know it, it was like Cab, I love when Kobe says uh, "never ever ever call me," and so we knew that it stuck with people. So well, it's something to grow on. Um, so Cab uh, went to our boss. And we said, "We'd like to go to Los Angeles and try go to Kobe's house,
0: so we were there, and i we always like to bring props um, and I'm not sure if it was a conscious thing back then, but um, but with Kobe, certainly props, but like I mean, we use props a little bit more now, but maybe that was the beginning of of bringing props into things maybe we had before, but
1: oh, we I, did before. <clears throat> if you go back to the the N h l 2002 awards.
0: Oh, we brought a trophy, you had a trophy. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that.
1: We always brought something, if we, if we could. Um,
0: wow, I forgot about that. And, and and so, and I know I mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast, uh, Dave's idea for Cabby on the Street Hockey was the segment that people remembered for years, was we were just, we didn't know any better. We waited for red lights. We'd play at the busiest in- intersections in Toronto. And I would just challenge random people. A game up to one. Dave was the goalie, and I would just play them. And that bit
1: was spoke to Canadians in some way. Yeah, yeah. and and we eventually we believe we, that to that there was even like a street hockey show that someone started. And, oh, there, yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So we did that. We did that in 02. I remember we played in front of the Maple Leaf Gardens. We yeah. played on King Street. We played in front of Wayne Gretzky's. Uh, restaurant so anyway, so now we're so now we go to LA for the first time to sit down with Kobe Brown We get 10 minutes with him at the practice facility in El Segundo. I bring some pillows and a CD for the sleepover so at the end of the uh, and Kobe kind of took offense to me bringing pillows mm-hmm. you don't I don't think have I, pillows in my house. You don't think I have pillows in my house. You don't think I You don't mm-hmm. think I <laughs> <You> don't <laughs> think toiletries I in my house. Yeah, so um, At the end I was like hey Kobe. So like like what what is your address? And he's like, all right, I'll give you an address. And I'm like, okay, okay, so I'm writing it down. He it goes, it's one, two, five, one, Compton Boulevard. I'm like, okay, um, are there? Is there? Is there? Is there a gate? <laughs> like, yeah. are there? Are there? Is it a gated community? He's like, yeah, there's some gates. There's some gates up. Yeah. And I said, well, what time should I meet you? He's like, um, like one a.m. And the, I mean, the, th- the thing that was great about Kobe, and I, I think the reason. I was able to connect with him so well is because, you know, Dave was coming up with these concepts for these interviews that people hadn't seen before and certainly not with Kobe Bryant, who at the time had taken, had gone through obviously his, uh, the thing with, uh, you know, his.
1: He was in court and the public perception of Kobe was, was he was a villain.
0: Yeah. He was, and, and here I am, you know, just not. Just I'm just trying to show his personality because the only personality we knew about Kobe was that on the court he was the most tenacious best,
1: right. uh, basketball player, and his. that he fought with Shaq, and yeah. that like you know he, Shaq was doing raps about him like that would never happen now.
0: Right. So um, we go to this we go to this address the next the next morning at like 11 o'clock we go to Compton, and Compton Boulevard has a west and an east so we just guess like ah oh, let's just go to Compton West. So I'm with my man Dave and my camera guy Randy, and we pull up to the address, and it's a church. Mm-hmm. So we get out of the car, and there are these dogs, like these junkyard dogs that are just barking at us close to this church. So we walk up to the church. I'm like, I guess this is it. So we're going to the church, and I didn't want to...
1: This is the beauty. So this is not rehearsed. So, you know, Randy just turns on his camera, and Cabby just walks up to the lady in the church, and he says, is Kobe here?
0: And she's like, no, Kobe's, Kobe's not here. Kobe lives in Newport Beach. I'm like, oh, is, uh, because Kobe said, um... I was to meet him here. She's like, "No, Kobe's not here' and I kind of look around a little bit more, and then I was like, Oh, he's not here so that that was um that was among the and then the next the next interview uh I cut him a a key for my place because I always wanted to stay at his place, and I extended the invitation to my place. I cut him a key, and then I gave him pajamas. That was in two thousand and seven, and that's the one that Kobe remembers when he sees me is the pajamas. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Still got those pajamas you gave me, yeah. <laughs> and then. But I actually think he took it home because I th- he even referenced it recently with his daughter, and she's like, "Yeah, what are those pajamas?" Yeah, it's it's just a strange, it's just a strange thing for for, Kobe to hang on to was a grown
0: man giving another grown man pajamas. Maybe it's because it's so weird is the reason why he did hang on to them, um, and then uh,
1: we brought a limo the next year.
0: We brought a limo, and then the big one is what, or the one that people remember the most, I think was um, I, went to, I went to host an event for Kobe, uh, and he was doing a video game thing with Carmelo Anthony, and they are playing one of the NBA games. And I, I was sitting with Kobe, and this is one of the few times I've actually been able to hang out with Kobe Bryant. So we're just talking, he's asking about my family and my summer. This is like August. And I think before I went, Dave and I were just talking about it, and it was, it was like we weren't, I wasn't shooting a segment. I was just going to host this event. And then we we're like, what, what, what the hell are we gonna do next with Kobe Bryant? And uh, the idea was about a helicopter. And Dave was like, we'll rent one of these, you know, huge like helicopters, and and we'll just do a tour of the city or something. Mm-hmm. So I say to Kobe, I'm like, hey Bean, uh, and I like calling him Bean because that's his middle name. I'm like Bean, uh, I got an idea for the next interview. He's like, all right, what is it? I'm like, well, let, let's just, um, can we just ride around in a helicopter he's like okay and I was shocked that he responded so quickly to it and I was shocked that he said yes um so I said to his manager Jerry I'm like Jerry he said he would do it I look over to Allison who was on the PR Lakers PR staff I'm like Kobe said he would do the helicopter thing I didn't know that Kobe had a
1: helicopter himself that was the thing. So we were gonna spend well, a few thousand I was bucks. Looking at spending in the score, I was like, that's too much money. We can't afford to buy a helicopter. I'm like, well well maybe the helicopter, if we put their website up on the screen, will let us use it. Yeah. So it turns out Kobe had
0: his own helicopter. So on the morning that we're we're going to this small airport in in uh in uh, Santa Ana, California. We're, we're
1: running late. <laughs>
0: we're running late and the PR director, we're texting each other, she's like, Where are you? I can't believe you're late. I'm like, no, 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 we're like two minutes away, and we get there, and Kobe's not there yet. But Kobe was like, Kobe was like, hey, make sure these guys are on time. So she's stressed out. She's stressing me out. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, we're late.
1: Can you imagine missing that opportunity? Oh, like just seeing him fly away.
0: So we get to we get to the airport, and Kobe, and we get to this little red helicopter. Kobe gets to the airport, and he's <laughs> he gets this golf cart, and he's being carted out to the out to the helicopter. We kind of say what's up. And I'm like, can't believe this is happening. So we get into the helicopter, and I have some. I say something like, you know, from the from the locker room to the court, to the to the practice facility, to now we're in the helicopter. So Dave and I, we we lift off, and it's the it just there's four of us. There's the pilot. There's Kobe in the front seat. Dave on to my right, and I'm behind Kobe Bryant. And this is the era the era where we had like, a, remember we had the flip cams, yep, which were
1: huge. Because right before our cell phones were really good with video, I say right before, like I'm speaking of ancient history, like three wow. years ago before. But that's kind of ancient you
0: know. history in technology terms.
1: Yeah. These flip cans were, gave us HD quality video
0: in our hand. So we, so I'm recording this conversation with Kobe, and I think you said later, like that day, you're like, do you remember what we did today? Like It was surreal, and it wasn't really taking it in in the moment, that we're flying in a helicopter with Kobe Bryant. So we land, we land at JFK, and so there's a driver there to pick not JFK. up JFK. Oh, excuse me, sorry, LAX, uh, LAX. and another three-letter acronym. Yeah, we land at LAX. Well, you just know
1: you're gonna email cabbie. Was it not JFK Yeah, yeah someone's gonna hit me up yeah. on
0: Twitter. Um, and so he has a driver drive him from LAX to the practice facility in El Segundo, which is like a 10-minute drive. So in the on that drive is probably the most relaxed that I am with with Kobe. So we're just talking and Dave is recording this on a flip cam about various things. And I'm like, Kobe, I feel so comfortable here that I'm like, you know, I'm like uh, when I'm in Los Angeles, I feel like I'm on part of your family. And you're like, and then Kobe's like, yeah, you're like the awkward, weird uncle, uh, like the cousin that nobody really wants to talk to. That's kind of like how you are. Um, so the, the the jokes continue. And then later that night, he hits a game-winning shot over Dwayne Wade, and it just kind of encapsulated this piece. That was like, I, and here's the weird thing, DK. Um, That's one of the interviews people reference, probably the interview people reference the most on, uh, on all the stuff, all the interviews that we've done. And I hope that's not the pinnacle. Like, I hope that's not the career achievement because, like, i don't want to be on the downside of the
1: thing i don't want i want to I, there there are other things that we can do that we will no, do no, but we talk about it all the time first of all when it comes to kobe when we do kobe again we already know what we're gonna do yes so we have the idea you know without letting people in um to the idea uh it's good i think i think it's a
0: great, yeah, it's a solid idea
1: but we, we're already aiming higher at different things so you know look forward for Cabby and obama coming to you soon <laughs> But, back, you know, we, we, we set the, the thing, you know, there's guys out there that I think we never know what people are going to catch up, catch on to, but we're going to keep trying to do things with people that I think people will eventually um, kind of find cool. Like, for example, the one, see, the way we come up with ideas, and I, I kind of call it the never-ending conversation, we're always throwing things back and forth. And recently, during a text message conversation, I think we found one of those things.
0: Oh, your idea is brilliant. Like we, you're talking about the Aaron Rodgers one. Yeah. Okay. We well, we can't say what it is, but it's, yeah, it was when when we fire ideas back and forth, they usually will come up with something that we think is either clever or think that's like is pretty cool. It's like
1: the never-ending conversation of brainstorming that just always continues.
0: So, um, okay. So I wrote down Mike Tyson about an hour ago. (laughs) Let's. So we'll circle back and end with Mike Tyson. But Mm -hmm. before we get to Mike Tyson. What uh, what is the what is the what's the worst interview that you remember?
1: The worst interview yeah.
0: that I remember. Give me the give me the worst, like the the one that you're like, that one that's like, That one that one was that one didn't. Oh one didn't. yeah
1: no, okay, that's actually yeah, I was like yeah I want to search too hard for this, but there was one. Um, it's, who was it again? In I don't the, know. I don't know. But ours might be different. It was in the Rangers dressing room. Was it Yager? Was Post, it was Chris Jury? Chris Jury.
0: Chris Jury, yeah. Not yeah. a fan. He was not a fan. Oh, uh, he me. just seemed
1: way too annoyed. That or Amari Stoudemire in Phoenix yeah. walking off.
0: So, so the so the Drury one was, I come up to him and he's like, "Are you gonna ask me stupid questions again?" I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "I don't want to. I don't want to do any stupid questions." I'm like, "Okay, well, I'll ask you some non-stupid ones." Or so, I said something. We did the interview, but he was definitely not interested.
1: No, he's just a. D- yeah. Yeah. And, I don't mind saying that.
0: And uh, and then. Uh, Omari Stadamar, we're doing a bit about gambling on the plane. And I had made some kind of comment about has about him losing large sums of money which would then contribute to his teammates kids
1: college funds right but you also talked about his tattoos you got sensitive about his tattoos it was
0: that was that's what it was
1: yeah oh i thought it was because he he lost a lot on the plane well, you asked him about like one of the bible scriptures on his arm or something oh i don't oh, see i yeah i'm glad you i forgot so anyway amari
0: not happy walked out of the interview i remember he, he looked over to Le, Le, leandro barbosa
1: just so i at the top of his lungs what is this yeah
0: like, What the what hell's going on lb yeah. what is this it lb yeah
1: um, so those are my two that stand out. It, I that's just on the athletes. It was, it is what it is. It happens sometimes.
0: Um. And then what's what's the one that was the best one? We really, what do you to
1: The the to me. Yeah. I mean, watching you with Will Ferrell to me stands out. And I, and I said I know we said it before because it just the essence of you going back and forth with somebody and just being able to do it and just performing at your peak, like you were on your game. Thanks. Uh, man. Uh, that that to me just will always stand out um of your natural talent. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, man. That's that's, that's
1: that was uh that was a that's a big one. I have, I have never seen I haven't and seen I've watched it so many times. I want to <laughs> cut that one It's a different thing. Yeah, you you um, cut
0: that one. I love I love the intro. That was excellent.
1: Um, but uh but I also say recently that um when I saw you with the energy that you brought to the Kobe and LeBron thing was that's like we talk about stepping up like an athlete again you stepped up on that one and really brought it like it's just uh that's what makes you unique that certain energy we got
0: i think i got lucky that day that those guys were both in a great mood and
1: i've never seen them laugh like that you got more out of them than i've ever seen before so
0: that one that was so that was a really strong another and then another podcast I will, uh, will describe what that process was uh working with the people at sprite and trying to and just we, I think we had, I think we came up with like twenty five or thirty individual ideas for what we yeah. could do with Kobe and LeBron, and we finally settled on one, and 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 we got lucky that it worked out pretty mm-hmm. well.
1: Um, finally, just one last thing, the the thing you did with the reporters recently, I also really enjoyed because it was a new side of you, in a way, interacting with these old school reporters that we've kind of stayed away from, for a long, long time.
0: I was uh, fill in for and shout out to so, Michael Landsberg who lets me fill in. For him from time to time. But we
1: talk about crossing lines all the time. That, to me, was another line that was crossed where these kind of old-school reporters, some of them in the Hall of Fame or whatever, where we always felt like the outcast were accepting Cabby into their fraternity in a way without, I hate saying this, like, you know, we've, we've been through so much where people, reporters especially in media, were not on our side.
0: Agreed, yes.
1: So to see we it,
0: looked We looked different, we dressed different, we were a lot younger than most beat reporters right. so our, our whole vibe and what we what we did our interviews were just a lot different than the traditional me
1: right so for me to produce that show and have you host and have them kind of talk to you with the respect and admiration you know to the point where they even have given us ideas for for segments yes uh was different and cool thank you to michael
0: farber and i also want to say thank you to steve ludzig who gave us
1: so uh, yeah. so th-
0: this is the other one that's referred to the most it's it's, uh, it's the Kobe interviews, and then uh, Steve Ludzik once told Dave, he's like, you should do a segment about how hockey players tape their knobs. And that's all he said. And when Dave told me that, I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. And that one could be the funniest segment we've ever
1: done. Yeah, and I think that's important that people know that we we do think of a lot of the ideas, but we also listen to what other people say um, because there are some great ideas that people have.
0: And that, that was, okay, I want to quick, before we get to Mike Tyson, I just want to, and what, what this is where my brain goes. My brain was, we're in the chopper with Kobe Bryant. I didn't really take it in as a surreal moment. But I remember, I think this is the only time I've ever said this to you. When, after the LA Kings won the Stanley Cup final, the Stanley Cup uh, this, this year was June something. I think it was the 11th or something. That day, or that, when they won, I, we were scrambling on the ice to find interviews. And then you were like, we got to get one of these guys on Off the Record tomorrow. And I was like, all right, cool. So I fire out five text messages to the guys. I fire them to Dustin Penner, Jared Stoll, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, Drew Doughty. And I remember on the ice, I say to Penner, I'm like, hey, man, can you come on off the record tomorrow? And then Penner's like, I don't even know where I'm going to be tomorrow. And then so I I shoot these guys text messages. I'm like, please, can you guys just for like five minutes just do a quick thing? So the next morning, all the guys are at Jared Stoll's place. And, um, and the, the, the Kings aren't doing media for like 72 or 96 hours. And so Stoley gets, uh, Dave gets a text from Jared Stoll like, Hey, uh, when you guys come by, the cup might be here. We show up at Jared Stoll's place. Our camera guy's there. And the Stanley cup is just in his backyard. Well, his front yard where his pool is. we're like, Oh my gosh, the Stanley cup's here. Like the Stanley cup's going to be in the shot. Yeah. so Dustin Penner and Jared Stoll do the interview, and Matt Green is in the background, just cracking like he's performing for everybody there and trying to ruin the interview by just cracking jokes off camera. It's a, actually pretty fun, funny. But like these, like because we developed these relationships with these players, we got to have this exclusive, this 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 opportunity that no one else was granted. And I remember saying to you, DK, I was like, I'm gonna remember this one for a really long time. Yeah. And just being in that moment, I was like, "Holy, this is this is this is pretty cool." Like two two dudes that, you know, frig, you were working demolition one summer. I was friggin' selling DVDs at HMV, and then fast forward, you know,
1: we're just in this. Yeah, I go back to script writing with Wade. That's really (laughs) where I start. When we were writing scripts, and just Cabby we just like we had just had good printing, but Cabby had better printing, and he had Uh, good stats and stuff. And we'd (laughs) give Martin and Greg our 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 highlights or whatever, and. They would read them. And,
0: that was our job at the score at, at then. I guess it was the score then. Maybe, maybe Headline Sports when we yeah. first started in the business was writing scripts for the host to read the highlights. Yeah, and, and I would work at
1: the fan during the day and people would be like, they would make fun of the segment. And they'd be like, ah, Cavi segment. That's just stupid. Yeah. Whatever.
0: It, 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 it was stupid for a while. It not stupid, but it just, it just t- took a while for people to get used to it, I think.
1: Yeah, which I always say that you know people are more fond of things when they look back on them.
0: Yeah, there is there is a certain romanticism to when you look back at whatever. And we'll end with this. Okay, so we started with Mike Tyson, how you got the Mike Tyson interview, and then we're at his house. Um and we're you know, and, and it doesn't look like the house from the movie The Hangover. It's a pretty modest house for someone who's as famous as Mike Tyson. It's still a really nice house. It's a little dusty. But it just yeah. wasn't it wasn't like this palace like yeah. you saw in the movie. So we go in there. And to the left, there's a, or the left and the right, there are these, um, uh, not cabinets, but these shelves with a bunch of belts. And other memorabilia from his career, and there's one of there's a bust of it, like his
1: head. Oh, I in- know it's crazy. So this is the kind of stuff, like it's not even like a nice shelving unit. It's the kind of thing like you go into your grandmother's house and she'd have like a bunch of like <laughs> antique teapots and stuff on right, there. Right, right. But he's got like the heavyweight title belt, a and couple a of bust them. of himself, and all these boxing awards.
0: Yeah, and there there's some photos from various po- points in his in his. In his career, and we're waiting in his house for like 15 or 20 minutes before he emerges. I'm getting nervous. I'm like, I'm in
1: Mike Tyson's house. Like, you just gotta you know, keep reminding yourself that, You're like, I'm in Mike Tyson's house.
0: Then, then he emerges. He and he's and he's little hungry, and he, he's wearing a black t-shirt, and he eats a sandwich, and we set up outside.
1: You just hear his voice by, in the kitchen.
0: Yeah, and he's there, and and it's his and it's his wife's mom is there, who's helping with with the with the kids. And so we go set up in the backyard and then finally Mike Tyson comes out to do the interview and and uh, um, and he's really nice he's really friendly and I remember I just looked back at this email and you had the idea to um, you're just like and one of the lines was and maybe we should rub him up with Vaseline (laughs) so we we stopped at a Ralph's or something before we went to came to Mike's house so I, and Mike is a great interview. He's introspective. He's interesting. He's engaging. He's funny. He, he sings. From, yeah,
1: he goes from being like a little kid to like a philosopher in a matter of seconds.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So at the end of the bit, there's so I'm like, hey Mike, I never understood what, like why you guys would get covered in Vaseline, and he's like, well, so you punch a slide off your face. I'm like, well, I can you show? Can you give me a little bit of your experience? So I go over. And it takes a good like two or three minutes to convince him to like to have to for him to rub my, rub Vaseline all over my face. He's like, I don't know about anything about this Vaseline. Where'd you guys get? it? I'm like, we well, just got it from the house. Like two like a mile from your house. Like it's, so I, I I finally convince him, and then it just it just clicks, and then he just has so much fun with just covering my face with this Vaseline. Dave is laughing
1: in the background. It's crazy. Mike Tyson is just got his hands full of vaseline and he's rubbing it all over Cabby's face and i'm like this is really happening and like yeah a cameraman is watching it but like i'm watching it like i'm watching it with the front row seat like I, that shit you can't pay for <laughs> <laughs> like with my own eyes i saw mike tyson rub your face with vaseline
0: and um and that and mike tyson is one of those guys that we have on like our mount rushmore and afterwards he he was great and and his his wife's mother and his wife both said like mike doesn't do that very often like he doesn't give those type of interviews like it was you know and i think one of them said it, there was like 20 years ago you wouldn't have done that mike yeah you'd be like no nah, yeah. i would have punched him out or see so he said so- something mm-hmm. to that effect like this so i i got i got lucky and i've been lucky uh many times in my career so as have i thank you and one of them was certainly meeting uh the man to my left my producer Dave Krixt, uh, cause, uh, uh, without you, I don't know if I don't know if I would have done no, I know I wouldn't have done one hundred percent of the stuff I've been able to do
1: in my life. true untrue. but so thank you.
0: Th- so thank you, sir, for coming in and telling some stories on Twitter, it's at my on Instagram. it's at my man dK and on vine, which Dave has like a hundred vines. it's at my man dK all one word m y m a n d k. Thank you for being on the podcast thank and I you. hope you guys enjoyed these stories. Thank you for listening to Cavi Presents, the podcast.